Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Variety and iHeart podcast, The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. I, of course, can't start the show without acknowledging that the world, our country, is upside down right now. I wish I had the words that could heal all. But I don't. But I could say that I do believe Black Lives Matter. I hear you. I see you. Enough is enough. June is also LGBTQ Pride Month. The big ticket is kicking off the month with two queer Black Hollywood newcomers. First up, you know him as the Matt Talking fan favorite of Netflix cheer, Jerry Harris. We talk about his unbelievable rise to fame, meeting Brad Pitt and Billie Eilish, and what it feels like to be called the gay Black icon of 2020. Then later in the show, two-time Tony nominee Jeremy Pope, the singer, actor, and dancer, is the breakout star of Ryan Murphy's Hollywood. I caught up with Pope from his apartment in New York City to find out what it's like playing Rock Hudson's lover, his upcoming role on Pose, and how attending his first Pride Parade changed his life. So sit back and get ready to celebrate Pride with Jerry Harris and Jeremy Pope. I should note that these conversations took place before protests began in the wake of George Floyd's death. I'll be right back after the break. Stick around. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Since the show Cheer, the six-part docuseries that follows the Navarro College cheer team premiered on Netflix in January, breakout star Jerry Harris has covered the Oscar red carpet fail in DeGeneres, struck multiple endorsement deals, and racked up 1.2 million followers on Instagram. I spoke to the 20-year-old Harris from his family home in Chicago. I'm so excited to talk to you. My husband and I are huge fans. Yes, thank you. We binged the show, I think, probably in a weekend. Okay. <laughs> I love that. I love it. <laughs> so how are, how are you doing? How are you doing during quarantine and coronavirus? I'm, I'm doing good. You know, I'm just spending a lot of time with family right now and just playing games, bonding. <laughs> That's really how doing I'm video, doing during quarantine. Doing a lot yeah. of videos. A lot of videos. A lot of videos. <laughs> so, so what have you been doing with your family? How are you making the time go by? Um, we've been playing like family games. We've been watching TV, watching movies together. Um, pretty much it. What TV are you watching these days? Um, I'm <laughs> I'm watching That's So Raven. Um, I'm obsessed <laughs> with the show. That's what I like to watch. And we watched um, um, what was it? We watched a one action movie last week. Ooh, I can't remember what it was. But we watched the action movie last week. <laughs> So this year has been crazy for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has. 
do you wake up ever in the morning going, what has, what has become of my life? You know, at one point you were just a cheerleader at a school and then all of a sudden you are a national treasure. Yeah. I feel like I had a lot of that, like when it first happened and I honestly will probably have, have it a lot more like even today, but I just feel like it's not really <laughs> anything because of quarantine. It doesn't really feel like anything. So <laughs> I haven't really had it much lately, but I used to have yeah, it so you- much when I was when I was back in school, you know, just doing my thing, it would happen like almost every time I would wake up. When when did you first realize like, oh, people know who I am and I don't know who they are, that I'm, I'm becoming famous? Um, Probably when I, would, <laughs> when I first started traveling, like when we went to go beyond Ellen and we got out, we got off the airplane and people that were around, that were in other gates surrounding us, came up to me and came up to us and was just talking to us and saying, we love you. Can we get a picture? I was just like, wow, like we don't even like, cause we're like used to cheer people coming up to us and asking for pictures and talking to us, but it was just completely random. And it just keeps happening anywhere we go. I know I will walk around my neighborhood and people would just um, stop me and say, Hey, how are you? And it's just, it's just an amazing feeling. And I really love it. Do they always expect you, though, to be on and have that smile and have that energy where sometimes I'm sure you want to just be like, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I try not to let it show that I'm tired if I am. <laughs> where where does this complete joy come from for you? Um, let me think about that for a second. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like the joy comes from my mom, I would say. A lot of it comes from my mom. And I feel like just growing up with her and looking at her energy and trying to just emulate that, um, I feel like that's where a lot of my joy comes from. And it comes from a lot of the people, too. You know, I just love that they, like, love me for for me (laughs) and who I am. (laughs) So I think that brings me a lot of joy as well. So, um your late mom, what do you think she's thinking right now when she's looking down on you going, Jerry, what oh. is she thinking? <laughs> I'm like, she's very, she's very, very happy and excited for everything that has been going on. And she's really, she's just really, she's really loving it. And I know she's telling me to always to stay humble because she doesn't want to see me get a big head. I'm sure with all this going on. Well, when, when, when you look at things like you're getting paid to math talk people on Cameo. You're getting paid just to be Jerry. What does that feel like? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's, it's funny to me um, because people just want to see me math talk. And it's just, it's just so many people want to see it. It's just so, so surreal. And it makes me very happy that people just want to hear my voice. <laughs> um, and obviously you are at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Yes. Who? What was the most surreal, crazy experience? Who did you talk to that you were just like, I, this is just out of this world for me? I would have to say like Brad Pitt and Billie Eilish and just pretty much almost everyone there because they treated me like I was like a celebrity to them. And it was just so, it was just so surreal. They came up to me, they knew my name and it was just awesome because they, they really treated me like I was one of them. So I really enjoyed that one. You are one of them. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, when did they tell you, when you found out that Daytona was canceled, what goes through your mind there? Because I'm sure you guys are just psyched up for it. Your energy is there. You've been training and boom, it's just pulled out from under you like that. I feel like it was a big shock at first. It was something that we weren't expecting. You know, um, just a couple of days before um, we were finishing up our week, like our um, spring break practices, and we were we had like a couple of day, um, days off of break because we were on spring break. And that day after we finished our practices, that's when everything starts to shut down. So I think that's when it became like an option um, for some of us in our heads, mm-hmm. like like with everything shut down, like this could, like Daytona can be canceled, you know, because that was when they were shutting the NBA down. They were shutting so many things down. So I think it was just over those next couple days, it was kind of like we were all like worried. Um, and it was a big thought of our thought in our head that we didn't want to come true. But when it when we found out and it came true, we were just so devastated and hurt by it. And I remember we just spent like the next couple of days just um, trying to bond with each other and spend as much time with each other before we had to like all leave and disperse and go home. So we were very hurt by it. So have you been keeping in touch with everyone? Are you all doing Zoom calls? How are you staying in touch? Yeah, yeah, we're still doing Zoom calls. I FaceTime like at least one person um, every single night and we just keep talking. And it's just a good way to keep in contact with them. And so we're not completely alone. So we talk a lot. So what does this feel like? So I'm going to read this to you. On BET, it says... Cheers, Jerry Harris is the gay black icon we need in 2020. <laughs> what goes through your head? Oh, <laughs> and that like just hearing that from them makes me so like happy because I love BET. I love me some BET. You know, I definitely feel like it is a lot of pressure to live up to, but I want to be that person that everyone knows that can handle it and doesn't let it get the best of me or take me from who I am. But hearing that, I definitely Mm -hmm. love hearing that from BET. (laughs) Um, What do you want? What kind of role model do you want to be to other young kids who might be struggling with their sexuality? Um, Mainly I want to be a positive role model. You know, I want to be someone that's fearless, that's confident to others and, that's confident to themselves and believes in themselves and just to tell them you can do, you can be who you want to be and you can be who you are because you are perfect and you are enough for anyone, you know? Who were, who were some of your gay role models growing up? Who did you Ooh. look to? Who did, <laughs> let me think about that one. Um, I don't think I really, I'm not sure if I have any, but mm. <laughs> I wish I did. I wish I did. But honestly, I would say, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I would say, um, I, I like Ladarius's personality a lot. Like now, mm-hmm. so I feel like he would probably be a role model if I didn't know him. Um, if I didn't know him now, and I knew him back then, I feel like he would be an awesome role model. How much do the two of you lean on each other? Um, I would say a lot. We we definitely um, depended on each other a lot during like our first couple years of Navarro because we lived together for a majority of it. So. We just bonded so much and we just became so, so close over the years. And I feel like we have an unbreakable bond. Was there ever a time where the two of you looked at each other going, two Blake, two black gay guys in Navarro? <laughs> Actually, Navarro is, Navarro is so diverse. So we, we weren't really the only, <laughs> we weren't the only friends. <laughs> 
<laughs> so we never really had like those thoughts, like us being like the only two um, black gay boys. But even if we did, you know, Monica um, and the whole community creates such a positive environment for us. So and everyone loves us there. So it wouldn't be any different if we did um, ever have that thought come to mind. Well, let's talk about Monica, because it was really wonderful to see in the series when she talked about, you know, talking to religious leaders about how she really feels and that, you know, all her kids she treats equally. Everyone is the same in the eyes of God. What did it feel like to hear her talking like that? It felt good. I, I loved hearing her talk about um, that um, on the show and just hearing her beliefs about it. It was really it was really nice to see. And just knowing that she doesn't care how like who people um, what people like who people are, um, their sexuality. She doesn't let that go into um, her judging people. So I just I love hearing that um, everything she had to say about us. And your family, they treat you like a celebrity? Or they're like, nope, you're home now. You are not a celebrity. (laughs) (laughs) No, they do not. But they like to drive me crazy, though. So that's what they definitely like to do. (laughs) Well, you, I mean, from what I can see on the show, you have an amazing family. Thank you so much. You're a really lucky guy. Thank you. Um, And like I said, I think you're great. My husband and I are huge fans. I did look for you at the Oscars. I was on the red carpet too because I heard the rumors. Jerry's here. Jerry's here. I didn't find you. But one day, one day I'll find you. Yes, 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 absolutely. Awesome. Jerry, thank you so much. This was fantastic. You're welcome. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Stay safe and stay healthy. Thank you. You as well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Jerry Harris. Cheer is available on Netflix. We're going to take a short break, but stay with us because coming up is Hollywood's Jeremy Pope. If you're like me and spend hours on Instagram scrolling past all the over-filtered, perfect highlight reels of other women and just wish you had someone to commiserate with about your nightly shame spirals, I have great news for you. I'm Jade Iovine, and I'm the host of Tell Me About It, the weekly podcast that's here to remind you that the women we constantly compare ourselves to, yes, even that one, also have lives that are far from perfect. Whether it's admitting all the times you've texted your ex, navigating the world of fertility treatments, or feeling like the only one in the room with depression, nothing quite compares to the relief you feel when another woman admits they've stood exactly where you are and lived to tell the tale. So cancel that Zoom happy hour. You know you didn't want to go anyway. And come hang with me as I talk to women I respect about all the insecurities, mistakes, and the heartbreaks that they don't normally post about on Instagram. Join me for Heart to Hearts with tech CMO Bozema St. John, environmentalist and influencer Steph Shep, actress Jamie Lynn Siegler, and many more. Listen to Tell Me About It with Jade Iovine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Talk about a fast track to Hollywood. Jeremy Pope became a two-time Tony nominee last year for his Broadway debut in Choir Boy, as well as his work as Eddie Kendricks in the jukebox musical Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of the Temptations. It was actually the day before the Tonys that Pope first sat down with Ryan Murphy to talk about his new Netflix series, Hollywood, a reimagination of 1940s Tinseltown. I saw Pope in Ain't Too Proud to Bag, and I couldn't take my eyes or ears off him. Yes, he has leading man looks, but his command of the stage and spotlight intoxicated audiences. 
He's what Broadway was made for, a performer who loves being on stage. I caught up with Pope via Zoom from his apartment in New York City. He was wearing a baseball cap, he apologized for not dressing up, and a sweatshirt emblazoned with the word Dreamland, an ode to Hollywood's catchphrase for turning a trick. So tell me about that first conversation you had with Ryan Murphy. He calls you and then what happens? Yes. Well, um, and I, I don't know if did we talk about, I don't know if we talked about this, but Ryan, this job, you know, he was very secretive about what Hollywood right. was and there was no script and it was just kind of like untitled Ryan Murphy project. And, you know, Ryan has that power where when he's doing something, you kind of, you just want to know what's right. going on or maybe get a part of it. So this was all happening the week of the Tonys for me last year. I'm just trying to get to the finish line that day, that well, Sunday, back it up. where I back met you. It up for a <laughs> just trying to get you there. Two nominations, a very rare thing. I know. <laughs> That's a lot. There was a lot happening. That my family was coming in town. What will my mom wear? What? Yeah, it was a lot of things going down that week. And here I'm being asked to make a self tape. And the last thing you want to do is make a self tape for something you know no information right. about. So I ended up making the self tape. Um, which ended up, I guess, being kind of good because the next day I got the job from Ryan. Um, again, didn't know what I got. So I met with him Saturday before the Tonys, Sunday, um, and we talked and he told me about the revisionist history aspect and what he wanted Archie to be. Um, and I remember I asked him, are there going to be people that look like me on the other side of the table? Are there going to be people in the writer's room? Are there going to be people that are directing, that are, you know, in this family, in this Ryan Murphy world. I, I hadn't worked with Ryan, so I don't know how he liked to work. Um, and he assured me that there was and that he was really going to protect me and take care of me. And he was just like, I'm asking you to trust me. So we went on the journey. Um, I remember reading the first two scripts and he was like, sent me the scripts. It's like, you are Archie, let me know your thoughts. And like, it's like, you meet Archie. And like the first scene is like, at the time, the way that it was written, it was like, Archie's like about to give this like blow job and he's like it was like this very sexual graphic scene and I just remember being like what is my mom gonna say like it's like ooh, this is a lot like I this is a lot you know tv internet lives forever tv lives forever I've done things in the theater and like you come it's an intimate place and then you go home and you talk about it but this I'm like the screen grabs the memes the gifts like I'm seeing all of these things but as we talked about the series and once we started creating it, a lot of it toned down and he really found the story and the heart, the message of what he wanted to do with it. Um, but there was a lot of trust, you know, you know, that I had to like kind of lean on in order to, to start the project at the initial process of Hollywood. So you do a self tape for him. You don't know what it is. What was the self tape? What do you do? The self tape was, it was like two pages of this old Hollywood scene. Um, and at the time, the character breakdown for Archie, it was like, it said, attractive, aspiring screenwriter, lead. And you're like, okay, like, but that was all I had, you know? And I remember like, I was like, I, the person who did it, shout out to Taylor. I have to give shout out to this woman, this this phenomenal actress, Taylor Simone. She was my castmate at Ain't Too Proud. She was the one that read for me like 30 minutes before we went on stage that day. Um, because, Honestly, it was like I needed someone who was cool and comfortable because besides there wasn't much there. It was just kind of like a boring scene. <laughs> it was pretty boring to me, but I was just trying to get it done because I didn't want my agents emailing me like, hey, did you did you do that self tape? I'm like, I'm trying to make it through Tony week, which is hell. Like, 
you know, you're, it, it was insane, but we the, the tape did, did what it needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just recently did a, I had a conversation with casting because I actually didn't get to meet mm-hmm. them. It was kind of like, I, they saw my right. tape, but I think what they told me was they had a conversation with Ryan with what he wanted and who he, what he wanted Archie to feel like. And they said, when they saw the tape, they immediately sent it to Ryan. They didn't go through their normal process of getting all the self tapes and going through a hundred and then selecting their favorite. They just sent it to Ryan and was like, I think this is the guy you need to check him out. Cause I was confused. Like, did Ryan see me in the shows, but he did not But Ryan got a special concert that Sunday where I was able, I performed in both shows <laughs> at the Tony's. So he was able to go, Oh, that's the guy I just hired. Like, nozzle, you know what I mean? <laughs> that, was your, that was your callback. Um, the Tony's was your callback. <laughs> <laughs> that was my callback, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> then he sent the script later on. Like that's what that was. Um, but I remember, yeah, he was at the Tonys. He was, you know, there with his his play, uh, Boys in the Band, and Darren sat like two rows behind me, and he was like, "Hey, man, congrats tonight for your two Tony noms. Like, I hope we work together." And I'm like, "We are," but like you I couldn't could say anything at the time. Um, but now, yeah, it was it was a whirlwind of a time. I, I remember that week being very like am I floating? Like, what is happening? Um, and it, it was really exciting. Um, and again, just a reminder to me of the timing of all things. I think if anything in my career and how things have happened for me has been about being patient in the timing of the things. Um, so it felt very timely for Ryan to pop in on the biggest week of my life at the time and be like, hey, do you want to do my series? Like very Ryan Murphy of him. And I'm like, hell yeah, I'll do your series. Like, um, so when did you find out that Archie was going to date Rock Hudson? <laughs> I found out pretty, I think it was once he sent, or maybe it was early on. I think what he told me was, he was like, this is what the story is about. I want Archie to feel like this and be this person. I think he ends up going to do this. It was all hypothetical. And he's like, and I want him to date like Rock Hudson or someone. I was like, okay, like, sure, you know what I mean? Like, let's go for it. Um, and then when we got the scripts and he started directing us and I could just see like there was a true love story to be had with the relationship that me and Jake had and what we were creating and what we were bringing to these characters. It is something that you feel like you want to champion and root for um, because I think separately as they're on their own tracks to success, there's a lot of heartache and trauma that comes with the, 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 you know, situational, like what the things are going through. So they become each other's true rock. They become the home for each other. They become the thing that they can depend on and like lean in on. And we realized that early on that it wasn't just going to be like, Oh, they kind of have a budding romance. It was like, this is going to be the thing that like takes them to the right. end that takes them to the finish line. Um, so we became very protective of that. Um, you know, and, it was special. Jake is, was a great scene partner, was a great person to have around. He was so open and vulnerable. I remember our first days working together was our our scene where we meet and we're like intimate. And that was, it was my first on-camera like sex scene and his as well. And we just really had to like, I need you to hold my hand right. through this because this is very scary. And it's closed set, but you're looking at 15 people, you know, just kind of, as you're there in your little towel, just kind of like trying to be sexy, you know, like, I don't feel very sexy right now. Uh, but they, he was, he was very, very, you know, I'm very great and open. And that was, that's the dream. He was just an actor that was open and willing to go on the journey. Um, and there for me, which I feel like is a representation of Archie and rock, which I think when people ask that chemistry, I'm like, 
he was just an open person. He was such an open artist to work with. So I think that reflects in, you know, in the work that we created. What kind of conversations did you have, whether it was with Ryan or with the other cast, about this mixture of real people, fictionalized people? Because I have to tell you, do you know how many people have asked me, did Rock Hudson really date a Black gay, obviously, but a Black writer in Hollywood? Yeah, but I... Was there ever trouble? Yeah, for sure. Confused people? Yeah. No, I think I had a lot of, we all, you know, we had a lot of conversations about how people were going to receive it. But I think the one that stuck out the most was with me and Jake Picking, who plays Rock. Because I remember he was just, I was like, what are your fears about working on the show? Because we didn't know much, you know? And he was just like, you know, playing this figure, this icon that people know. And I think me coming off of playing Eddie Kendricks in Ain't Too Proud, and at one point feeling that pressure, meeting Otis Williams, the founding member of The Temptation, and feeling like, I don't want to fuck this up. Like, I want this to be great and special. But I realized that the director, the casting, they saw an Eddie Kendricks in me, whereas Ryan saw Rock Hudson and Jake. And all his responsibility was to be honest and truthful. Mm -hmm. Like, bring the essence of. Don't be a character. And we had that conversation earlier. I said, free yourself. Free yourself of those demons and that, like, wait. Free yourself of feeling like you need to, like, prove to us. I was like, you've done your homework. You've gone home. We've all researched these movies. We've 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 gone back and you know sat with what the '40s were like, like what it felt like. I remember I went and read about what were black people doing in the '40s in the South and the North just to educate myself. Right. But then there's a part of you like this is a fantasy. We're creating a new narrative to it. So your job is to just be truthful in all the decisions that you make, and like that's all you can do. So I think when I said that to him, he trusted me. I trusted him, and then it kind of started from there where I knew we were talking about this, you know, historical Hollywood figures that people knew and would like take pride in saying they knew I was there. I supported or like, that isn't true. And I'm like, I know it's not true, but what if it was, what if Rock Hudson was able to be out and able to be the movie star that he ended up becoming to be, but also like be in love with someone, be in love with a black man, be like the couple that walked the Oscars, holding each other's hand, like supporting each other. Like, what if that is like the story and the narrative that we're telling and that feels very inspiring and hopeful because i think we're still having certain conversations about you know all of the things entertainment now um you know and i you know and that and that's just what it is that's just the ugly honest truth so whether we're talking 40s or we're talking 2020s it's like there's similar nuanced things that are happening and they can feel very parallel you know like are we just repeating or are we kind of stuck in a cycle? But it's up to visionaries like a Ryan Murphy, like a Janet Mott to be given that opportunity to say something. And it's like, what are you going to say? What are you going to do? Are you going to be the first? And you're going to meet backlash and people that don't quite understand the revisionist aspect of it or wish it was just true to the book. But I'm like, that's just not the story we're telling. You know what I mean? That's just not. It's just not what we what we did and what we created. That wasn't in its intention. What did? How did you feel? as a gay man playing this gay character, did you feel pressure? Did you, you know, that's a lot. And it's this fantasy, so what's real, yeah, what's not? A lot. Um, was there a responsibility you felt as a gay man to get this right, quote unquote? Yeah, well, I think if anything, like what I felt was, 
again, like that first conversation I had with Ryan, because Ryan is a gay man, but I was like, I'm not worried about it on the gay front of you offering visibility to the LGBTQ plus community. It was about my, 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 my black mm. and really being able to say some really truthful things, to stand in that, to own that. I don't want to be a token. I don't want to just be the best friend. That's funny. We've been there, done that. We've seen right. it. No shade to the people that are doing that or being asked to do that. But I was like, if we're really talking about a revisionist history, let's revise what we like see black men, black gay men to be. Mm -hmm. Let's like give that a new spin. Let's create our own like character. Let's create our own like idea of what type we want. We can create here. So that was like my big concern. And then I think it was just like with all projects that I've done that have dealt with, you know, me being vulnerable, whether that's just about my own personal experience being a black man or being in the community of the lgbtq it's like i realize that it's bigger than just me and my like own fears or insecurity it offers such visibility and oftentimes healing for the audience out there for people i've never met i can't tell you how many emails or t tweets or dms of people that are like don't want to take up too much of your time but thank you for representing us i felt seen i felt heard and i'm like god like it's special to feel, but it's also like, I know that feeling of when you see and you feel and you know, like, oh, that's me. That's something tangible to hold on to that gives me hope mm -hmm. and is inspiring or like, yes, me too. You don't have to be black or gay to have empathy and to understand these characters and how they move. But I think it's just like understanding humans and their walks of life and how they we all go through things. So that felt like the obligation is to stand in the truth and be honest with everything you say and do. And they were good when we were collaborating. Like our team was good with that. Like it was such a collaborative experience. Like I could say, this doesn't feel right. Or I think he would do that. And they were, they let me take those freedoms and liberty. Um, and then kind of rewatching it. We didn't see daily. So I wasn't able to like track what we were creating. It was kind of like when I met you, when we, we met at that tastemakers, that was my first time seeing. And I remember we were like talking, I was like, sorry, I'm still kind of like, <laughs> you know, digesting what I just saw. Right. Cause I hadn't seen what we created and we shot things out of order. So you're, you're like piecing it together. But um, I, I, I felt very strongly and was super proud of what we created and what we were able to say. Um, Cause again, I knew that it was, it could and would change people's narrative and minds. It would change some people's lives. It would give them something that felt tangible. Mm -hmm. And then add this like whole quarantine factor to it. I was like, God, it felt like, give me something that wants to inspire me. So when I do get back to creating art, I know why I'm making the art and the type of stories I'm telling and why I'm telling those stories. You know what so I mean? So you're talking about people reaching out to you, whether it's DMs or on Twitter, who is your Jeremy Pope? Who is your Archie? I think for me, it was Terrell McCraney. Mm -hmm. Um, because when I moved to New York city and I was, you know, in college and was studying musical theater and I loved theater, I had done theater in high school. So that was kind of, I was going to New York to get more of those experiences, but I wasn't well-versed in what shows were on Broadway or off Broadway at the time. I had never seen a Broadway show. So here I was trying to like work on my craft to work for an industry that I'm not even sure if they like want me or not. You know, I was like, did, are there parts for me or am I just meant to be in the ensemble? Like, I don't know. Like, so I think getting a play like Choir Boy, and this is before he won the Oscar for Moonlight. So he's just a writer that is being vulnerable and talking about his own experiences and talking about what it means to be a black man, talking about um, just, just hard conversations within the black community mm -hmm. that we that we sometimes gloss over just 
don't have. And I think me coming from my dad being a pastor, a religious background, there are certain traumas and things that we just don't talk about. So he offered me a space while giving me this part that I was able to pay my rent. I grew as an individual so much and he became like a mentor for me, someone that I could talk to and really be inspired. And (laughs) it's the best mentor. So to watch him, you know, make it his job and his duty to only tell his story and his narrative and you don't have to like it or not. But his, his kind of mission has just been like, I want you to like, spend a few hours or whatever in my mind and go through the questions that I often ask of the world or I ask myself or I ask God or whatever he's challenging. I think that's what his work does. It challenges certain things and it challenges the norm and what we know. So him doing that and me having that at the age of 20 really like shaped a lot of my thinking and how I like the works and the way I treated the business and treated myself and loved on myself. He gave me so much so much information and just knowledge into how to love myself and to care for myself and why it is, why I want to create art and the art I want to create. So it's really Terrell McCraney. And I think having that be the first job that I did in a 99 seat theater off Broadway that some people saw, but I think was the thing that like started it all. And then for that to be my Broadway debut and to still have Terrell and be able to call him or talk to him whenever I feel like I need someone to just advise me or to just listen to be on that journey with him, to be on this journey with him has been incredible. So I'm so grateful to him. Um, it's like his story with Choir Boy offered so much visibility and an opportunity for me. But again, it, I realized it was bigger than just me. It was like so many young boys that needed to mm. feel seen or heard. And like being able to do that in the 99 seat theater to a commercial Broadway house, to what he was able to do with Moonlight. It's just like all, like I was like, that's what I wanna do. I wanna be a part of those conversations with those people because I grow as an artist. I feel so like inspired when I'm working with artists like that. And then just to kind of look back, like you said, reading these messages of people that are like, thank you. Thank you for this or thank you for that. It's like that, that means the world. So um, second season, who are you gonna play? Are you signed on? Season two. How many episodes are there? Tell me everything. <laughs> I know. This is what I know or don't know because it all changes. Because I have. I was like, so do I have a job? Or, you know, like now what? Season two. We're hoping for a season two. I'm pretty sure Ryan wants to do one, but we're a limited series. So I do know that when we come back, we're all new characters. And I believe it'll be like a new time period. So I've heard rumors of like 60s and 70s, um, which like, I'm down. <laughs> I'm down. Either way, it could be space. I'm down. Um, I loved working with the team, everyone at Ryan Murphy, uh, in the Ryan Murphy family. So like, we'll see. Sometimes he's good to like just drop shit on Twitter or Instagram. So I feel like I'm always like trying to decode messages and text messages that he sends me or he'll call me and I'm like, is it? sign like what like i hate that i have to do that with him <laughs> but i do hope and i'm pretty sure i really do pray and hope that there's a season two of hollywood i would love to get back with the gang and maybe add some some of his other players i feel like it's a theater troupe now it's like we have this like pool of people that he's worked with so it's like maybe sarah paulson will join mm-hmm. or like maybe angela bassett will play my mom which is like a dream so like who knows like, how many how many know. times did you but that's how many I'm times like, have you said that to Ryan? So, Angela Bassett, my mom. I said it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my mom. Hear me out. That's me always like, hear me out. Angela Bassett, 
Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, yeah. So I'm excited. I, I hope, but I, I, I am working on season three of Pose. So that was my next if question. I, if, if there is no season two, which I'm sure there will not. Yes, I am working with the lovely Janet Mock and Ryan and the whole team over there. Um, and that's where I, I was in New York filming that when this kind of all broke out. So when we kind of get back to um, working, I will be back to filming that, which is cool because I love the game there and what that show has been able to do for so many people. Just again, felt right. The time of it all felt right. I want to be a part of those conversations. So when does Ryan sort of bring it up to you? Are you in the middle of Hollywood land or does he, you've wrapped and he calls you and says, hey, you want to be on the show Pose also? <laughs> Well, I got bullied by Janet Mock. Um, we were on our way to Essence Festival or Essence uh, Women of Ho Women of Hollywood, um, and I was her date for this. And we're like in the car, and she's laying down in the back seat of the car because she has this like this dress that she can't sit in. She doesn't want to run it. So she's like laying horizontal, and she just kind of looks at me, and she's like, "Hey, there's a part in season three of Pose. I think you need to do it." And I was just kind of like, "Okay, like." Sure, you like don't want to say no. You're like, yeah, okay. Can you send me the script? And she's like, No, I'm pretty sure you're gonna do it. Ryan is obsessed. He wants you for the role. And when Ryan wants something, he wants something. So I was like, Oh God, like I hope it's good. Um, and then I remember like later in that day, someone was asking her about what she's working on. And she's like, You know, season three of Pose, we're starting, and Jeremy's gonna be joining. Like she was like announcing it before I even got to like give a proper answer. <laughs> But again, I trust Ryan, I trust Janet, and she was right. The role is incredible and super cool. And I love MJ uh, Rodriguez, who is the lead over there at Pose. And I was just excited to work um, with her and Billy and so many great people over there. So um, I said, yes, like, <laughs> Ryan got what he wanted. <laughs> so next month, next month is Pride Month. What does Pride Month mean to you? What does Pride mean to you? Pride, communities, community. God, I love when I, I think I did my first proper pride a couple of years, maybe three years ago. I was always a little anxious about it, but that was just my own insecurities. I was nervous. It's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what that is. And I think there was just, there was a part, there was a time in my life where I wasn't ready to embrace that. So to be in the pool of everyone embracing and loving, that was scary yeah. to me. But New York, New York taught me how to love all of myself. And I went and I did a pride in New York and it was incredible. I've met so many special people, the community, the love. I love that it's a time where we can all just celebrate and love on one another. Mm. And you don't have to be gay to celebrate pride. I loved that. I loved seeing everyone just out and about and recognizing the community and the power and it's all built on love. And it's like, who doesn't want that? So you just walking the streets and hugs and high fives and rainbows and colorful things and great music. I like rediscovered Robin dancing on my own at Pride. And that song will forever be a game changer wow. for me. So like Pride is great. So I hate that we're not, we're not, you know, we're, we're, we're told to social distance and we can't physically, you know, band together and join in one specific place. But you know, a bunch of us are all trying to get creative and find ways to still like be in support and, you know, just so we can feel the love. Because that's one thing I walked away with when I did my first Pride was I felt so much love and support mm. and it helped me stand on my own. So if anything, let's try to find a way to give that, you know, and share that during this this next month. What's, what's your message to LGBTQ kids who may be out there struggling? I think my message... You know, I think, and this is just from my own experience, like sometimes it can feel, it can be hard, it can be frustrating, 
because you you're you're especially if you're in your youth you're feeling a lot of things you're 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 just trying to survive you're trying whether you're making a transition from going to school to college to who do you want to be what does that look like there's a lot of questions being proposed and sent your way but what i've found is finding your community and your tribe of people that are, that are going to love you for who you are and where you are today not for your wins and your successes and when you make it to quote unquote hollywood but it's those people that i met in new york that were going through what they were going through and needed a shoulder to cry on. And we just poured love into each other and we were there for each other and we supported each other and we championed each other. So if anything, for people that are struggling, it's like see and find those people that you can identify with, that you can like share um, your stories and your narrative and that are going to celebrate you and uplift you mm. because you need that. You need that so desperately. And I think that's why I admire pride because you really feel that. It's like, we've all set it in our calendars. We're, we're going out, we're doing a parade. We're here from nine to two. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's what we do. But it's like, I find that in life, if only you, if only I had had more of them. You know, I, I grew up very religious and it felt unsafe to talk about the questions that I was having and dealing with my own internal things. But once I found a place, a safe space, a people that were open to have that conversation with me and love me for who I was and not judge me, that's when I began to like really stand in who I was and start to create that narrative of like, oh, I'm confident in who I am. I love who I am. You know what I mean? And they always talk about self-love and yes, it's always, you know, get to that place of loving yourself. But until you get there, it's like finding those people who are gonna pour some love into you, give you a little oomph until you get there. You know what I mean? So if you're struggling, you're feeling it's hard to love myself and who I am and what God or the universe or whatever you believe in created me to be, it's like, find some people who are gonna champion you now. Jeremy, it's so good seeing you. I think I say seeing, but it's so great chatting and seeing know. you and stay healthy, stay safe. I love the Dreamland sweatshirt. I'm like, I'm obsessed with that Dreamland sweatshirt. Did they give it to the cast? <laughs> Thank you. They were the wrap gear. No, I made them. I made wow. them, designed them, gave them as wrap gifts to the cast. So. Oh, really? Yeah, it was, it was sweet. So we all got our own, little, our own little tickets to Dreamland, yeah. Awesome. Jeremy, it's great seeing you. Gracie, you stay safe. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. That was Jeremy Pope. Hollywood is available on Netflix. Thanks for listening to this week's The Big Ticket. I'll be back next week with Unbelievable and Booksmart star Caitlin Deaver. For now, stay safe and be well. I'll see you next time. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.